Welcome to episode 17 of Disco Discussions. I'm your host, A.B. Basson. In this week's episode, I'm joined by Dylan Kerr, the former professional footballer has devoted his life to the beautiful game. Born in Malta, Kerr played professionally in England, South Africa and Scotland before turning to coaching. Following spells in Vietnam, Tanzania and Kenya, he arrived back in South African shores and has been based in Limpopo province for the past few years. Join me on this epic journey down Kerr Lane. Well, Dylan, thanks for joining me on, on Disky Discussions. Um, it's great to chat to you, uh, you know, someone that's traveled the world, uh, you know, and uh, enjoyed the beautiful game in Vietnam, uh, England, Scotland, and in South Africa, obviously, Tanzania, Kenya. Uh, you're in South Africa now, you've been here for a few years now, um, but you came here as a player as well. For those who, who don't know, who did you play for in the 80s and, and how did you get, your, get here in the first place? Um, I will take. I will keep this as short as I can. Uh, I, I came here and I played for Arcadia Shepherds. Um, a brief history that got me here was I signed a professional contract, a semi sorry, an apprentice professional contract in 1984. I was the first youth training scheme apprentice in football, which it was paid by the government. In eight, in the 80s, young people like me couldn't get jobs. Uh, so the government decided to do this YTS, which is Youth Training Scheme. And, and basically the government paid companies uh, to, to take on young people uh, after after leaving school. Now, when I got spotted by Sheffield Wednesday, uh, they offered me a contract. It was only one year. An apprentice professional was two years, but they offered me a one year because it was a youth training scheme. And I actually... I worked so hard to in that year to become a professional footballer that the following year when I became a professional footballer at Sheffield Wednesday, I actually fucked up. Sorry, I actually <laughs> blew it. I blew it myself. I did. Um, I became this professional 17-year-old professional footballer that would had never played a game for Sheffield Wednesday, was always in the reserves, was always... At the, I was the captain of the youth team, but... I got into the lifestyle of being a professional footballer, which was going out, going clubbing, going to the pubs, meeting at the time the biggest pop stars in the UK, which was the Human League, ABC and Evan 17 who were from Sheffield. And I kind of got caught up in this razzmatazz of being a professional footballer without even playing a professional game. And... I actually thought once I'd signed professional uh, football contract, I was actually going to be a professional footballer for life. You know mm. that it, it it was like um, what what I'd believed that a professional footballer was going to be. But at the end of that year, I was told I was going to be released from Sheffield Wednesday because <clears throat> my outside football activities was more than my football activities itself so basically um, I screwed up myself and at the end of the season which was June 1985 no June 1986 I must have written 91 written not emailed not uh, text not whatsapped I I wrote I wrote sorry 91 letters to 91 football league clubs which was Division 1, 2, 3, and 4 back in the day. Jeepers. And I got seven replies. I got seven replies. My replies were from Birmingham City, Oldham Athletic, Doncaster Rovers, Rotherham, um, Barnsley, Notts County, and um, I'm trying to think who the other one, one was. I think it was Hartlepool United. And out of them seven replies, I went to Birmingham City and it was between me and a player called Julian Dix that they wanted to sign. Um, and obviously they picked Julian Dix. And from probably November to January, I just thought my, my career was finished because I couldn't get, you know, it's very, very difficult as an apprentice or a young professional at 17. Yeah. Once you've been released from one club to, get a, to, to go into a, another club. Like I said, between uh, Birmingham City, it was between me and Julian Dix. Julian Dix had a great career. If if they'd have picked me, you know, who who knows? Who knows? And then my 
former youth team coach at Sheffield Wednesday was a very, very good friend of Stan Laporte, who was the Arcadia Shepherds manager. Okay. And he phoned me on the 12th of January, 1986. And at the time, I was watching um, a, a news news article news news um, article on I think it was BBC that there was a an incident at Ellis Park Stadium where a, an owner had got stabbed eight six times on the football field. I think it, I think it was the Pirates. I think it was Pirates Chiefs or Pirates Swallows. And I got a phone call that night watching this. And they asked me, would I would have been interested in going to South Africa? And you were like, and like my mum and dad. Well, it was on the news. It was it was headline news. I mean, the guy got attacked because yeah. we made, back in the day it was NPSL. Sorry, it was NSL. Yeah. No, it was NPSL, and it went to NSL. So there was a big hoo ha about the the split. Some wanted, some didn't. And I'm with my mum and dad. We we're watching the news, and and this big. I mean, he survived. He survived. Because he was so big, it didn't it didn't hit a, a major artery or it didn't do any, it didn't do any damage to him. And my mum had said, you know, you're not going to go there. I went, well, you know, what's my options? What's my options? And I'm 18 years old. Two days later, I'm 18 years old, and Stan Laporte phoned me. I said, look, can I have time to think about it? And he went, no, we need you here by Thursday. So three days later, I was at. Um, Heathrow Airport catching a flight with SAA which back in the day was the best airline to fly uh, not only in Africa but in the world because mm. it was such a good um, flight an airline and I arrived in South Africa and then straight away within two weeks we were playing in the BP Top 8 That's insane So you spent obviously a few years with them but you came close off before the podcast started you you mentioned that you came close to joining Durban Bushbucks will you just uh, repeat that story and you know um how you came close to signing for them I think you said 75,000 rand which sounds insane now but back then it was quite a bit of money yeah I mean my first season um in, we, we played in the BP top eight and in the semi-finals we played Durban Bushbucks and it was it's probably one of the best games that I've ever ever been involved in because previous to that I was actually initiated at Arcadia Shepherds with the, the the remember the old big bass that used to everybody used to bathe in you'll not remember it you're too young we used to have one big bath that everybody used to bathe in right and they 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 told me to strip naked and leave my boots on and I'm like okay and I mean I'm 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 18 years old in a foreign country bollock naked wearing my football boots and next thing they get these three chickens whack the heads off and throw the chickens into the bath and I'm like Mooty. and I couldn't move I couldn't move it was mooting it was you know and, and, and the, the chicken's blood had to hit my boots because it was a good look so <laughs> apart from being like covered in blood covered in chicken's blood and these chickens running around and you know just dropping dead once they you know ran out of energy um, we played Durban Bushbooks in the semi-final and we were 2-0 down at half time and it was packed the stadium was packed in Durban and the Mooty man came on at half time and started doing all these potions and spreading dust and whatever whatever they do all over the field and we beat them 3-2 and I scored two goals and I actually I was so dehydrated after the game you know, I had to. I, 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 they had to carry me off because, like I said, it was like thirty-six degrees in Durban, and we were playing. And because the blood had hit my boots, it obviously it uh, it was like a good luck thing. Yeah. The Mooty man that came on half time was chased down the road <laughs> by hundreds, hundreds of Durban Bushbook fans because. They think they thought he he brought bad Mooty onto the onto the page, yeah. and if they'd have caught him, I wouldn't I wouldn't have imagined what they would have done to him. And and then we played, we won the BP Cup top eight against Vich University, and I'd only been there three weeks, and 
we won the first game 3-1 and we drew the second game 1-1 uh, uh, first game was at Kings Park sorry Kingsmead and the second game was in uh, Ellis Park and the first game against Amazulu we won 3-1 I actually got carried off by the Amazulu fans um, out the stadium they wanted to take me to the to, to, to their wherever it were to, to go and celebrate and it was just <laughs> phenomenal and then the season went really really well for me I was a left winger I was young, I was enthusiastic, I was different. Um, and at the end of the season, Bush Books had offered 75,000 rand to, to take me to Durban. I flew to Durban, I got the blessing from the chairman and I got there and the cheque never arrived. So I flew straight back to uh, Joburg and uh, went back to uh, to uh, Arcadia Shepherds. Just to give those an idea that are listening, 75,000 Rand back then, considering you were earning 900 Rand a month, that's what you said, which was... Yeah, 900 Rand a month. Yeah, geez, just that, instead. If you, if you can imagine, um, if you go to a bottle store and bought six beers, I think it was like three Rand 60 for, for a six-pack of beers. You know, you could go to a restaurant of a of a of a steak uh, meal, and it cost I think about eleven rand sure. back in the day. So you can imagine, and I mean, it, and and these steaks were not, you know, like the steaks they are today. They were like double the size. Mm. Um, and yeah, nine hundred rand a month. Um, it was, it was, yeah, it was it, to 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 see what the players are earning now. It's like you know, night and day. Yeah, uh, but we 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 played to play for the money. We didn't want the money to play. We actually played to earn the money, and that's why we were so successful at Arcadia. So you attracted not only interest from Durban Bushbucks, but um, Orlando Pirates, Swallows, uh, Sundowns. You said, but um, I think most notably Kaiser Chiefs. Um, how did that come about? And you know why did why didn't you end up joining them? Well, the the. After three years at Arcadia, me and Stan kind of didn't see eye to eye. Um, we'd had a we'd, we'd had our fallouts. And don't get me wrong, Stan Laporte is is probably one of the best people I've ever met in football, um, along with his assistant John Latham and all the players that I worked with at, at the time. And there were some good players at Arcadia. I think we 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 did things that no other white football club did. You know, there was um, there was Rangers Football Club, there was Vich University, Durban City, Hellenic, um, that's the four I can remember, uh, and Arcadia. So there was only five, I would say multiracial, but there was only like two or three. There was Deshi Tower, George Magia, um, I can't remember the other player, Trevor, he was a little right winger. Um, but I'd... I'd I'd, I'd got a bit of a reputation in South Africa and Kaiser Chiefs phoned me one day and, and asked me to meet them at the, the Vodacom building now in, in Johannesburg. I met Ted Dimitri and uh, Kaiser. We'd, we'd agreed terms, we'd agreed, you know, that they, they were, were going to buy me. And I went back to England for, for Christmas to spend with my family. Remember, I'm still only 20. Mm. You know, and I wanted to go and spend Christmas with my family. And I ended up training at Leeds United because I knew Howard Wilkinson, who was my previous coach at Sheffield Wednesday, who released me from Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, I gave him a call and I said, look, can I come and train, keep keep myself fit, keep myself busy? And he invited me. And I trained there for five weeks. And after that five weeks, they told me that they weren't going to offer me a contract. And I went to play for a non-league team called Frickley Athletic, which is probably in the seventh tier of British football right now, English football. We won 4-2. And I actually played just, I played for what, 50, 50 pounds. So in 1989, 50 pounds was worth 150 rand. Gee. You know, because it was three three rand to the pound. Yeah, our times have changed. Right, so... So, so basically, I actually played for beer money because I just my last weekend in in England, you know, go out with the boys. Um, but we won four nil and I scored three goals. Uh, and the next day, 
the assistant manager for me, Michael Ennigan, who brought me to South Africa, he said to me, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you could have got injured and blown your chances at Leeds United. I said, well, no. I was told me I've got to go back. He said, no, we've had a change of mind. We've had a change of heart. And uh, he wants you to come in Monday. And I was flying on Tuesday to South Africa. He um, he offered me an 18-month contract. So I phoned guys, then I phoned uh, our old chairman, Sol Sachs, God rest his soul, phoned Stan and said, listen, can I can I, can I have your blessing to stay at, uh, in England? And and they all said yes. So And then I spent four amazing years at Leeds United without playing over 26 games in four years. But they were great years. I think our Wilkinson is the same man that signed Lucas Khadebe. Um, so yes, you know, obviously Leeds United and former singer and former singer. Yeah, that's correct. Leeds United, obviously, quite well known in you know South African football circles for that region, um, and doing well now. What is your what is your best memories of of playing in England and specifically at Leeds United? Um, you know, during that period, and yeah, obviously the Premier League coming around in the early nineties. Um, how different? How quickly did football change in those years? Well, I mean, I signed in. I signed in January '89. Um, I made my debut in April, um, and actually, no, I didn't. I, it wasn't. It wasn't my debut. My full debut was in April. My substitute appearance, my first squad appearance, was at the end of March, and I wasn't even in the squad. I wasn't even playing. And and Howard's going to kill me if he ever hears this. I was absolutely, I was out on the Friday night because I wasn't in the squad. Again, my social life, you know, was 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 very important to me. I was out the Friday night. I was absolutely steaming drunk. Remember, you know, I'm still I'm still young, and and I was steaming drunk. Someone's in the squad, and then I'm I'm walking over the bridge to go to the local nightclub at eleven o'clock at night, and my mum stood on the bridge in a dressing gown and slippers. And I'm like, <laughs> hallucinating. And my mum says, "You've got to go home because the the gaffer's phoning you. You're playing tomorrow." So I lived about five kilometres away. I ran home. I ran home because I didn't want. I don't. I didn't want to sound pissed <laughs> when I got when when I was speaking to Howard. And when he phoned me, um, he said, "What you been doing?" I said, "I've been at my grandma's." And I've just I've just come back now, so and obviously there's no mobile phones and it was just the landline. Yeah. And he says, "Oh, you're in the squad tomorrow. You're on the bench." And um, we we drew one all against Ipswich Town, I think it was. And then I played my full debut the next week against Barnsley, and and you know it, it, that was the start. But I was still. I was third choice behind behind Glenn, Glenn Snowden and Mike Wicklow that just signed a week before me, and and it was kind of like surreal because my dad used to take me to watch Leeds United from the ages of five to nine because he was Leeds daft, and I think I made everybody well, especially my dad because he was a big Leeds fan, uh, made him so proud that I signed for Leeds United. But I was only a wee part of that first uh, five months then the the next three years I was part of the squad I was kind of like there was only allowed two substitutes at the time yeah you know so there was no goalkeeper subs it was two substitutes and I was always the 14th man I was always the one that was like and 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 that happened for like two years and then I went on loan to Blackpool and Doncaster Rovers, and at the, the the fourth year, I had a very very good chat with Gordon Strachan, who was the captain at the time, and he told me I have to leave because I'm 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 not going anywhere if I stay at Leeds United because at the end they had um, Jim Beglin, Irish international, and they had uh, Tony Dorigo, who was an English international, and they had Nigel Worthington, who was a Northern Irish international. So I was like going further and further down the line and Gordon said, look, you need to leave. And after four years, it, you know, it, I could have stayed there. I'd have, 
I could have stayed there for the next, well, until I had left. And 93, I got offered a chance to go to Huddersfield Town. And I actually agreed because it was just down the road from Leeds. Mm. So I didn't have to move home. And I actually agreed. But then Gordon said, Gordon called me, said, look, Reading Football Club want to call you, want to speak to you. Um, would you be interested? I went, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll speak to, and the, the coach was then, was Scottish international, Mark McGee. I went to meet him and I, I actually told, I had to phone Uddersfield Town and, and told them I changed my mind. So my four years at Leeds, you know, I'll never, I'll never regret being there. Um, I just wish I'd have, I'd have played a bit more. Um, but you got my, my, the, the people in my position was, I said Nigel Worthington, Jim Beglin, Tony Rigo, and the late Gary Speed. You know, and yeah, that Gary. that was my that, that that was my four years at Leeds United. Gary Speed, what a player! I think a lot forget a lot of people forget how influential he was, and obviously at Newcastle United as well, and enjoyed a very good career. Um, well, there's a st- the story about Gary, right? The Gary Gary Speed, Howard Wilkinson didn't like him. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't think he fitted into his 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 mode of play. And uh, the the youth team coach uh, at the time was Pete Gumby. And Peter said to Howard, "Listen, basically, he actually said to Howard the same as Michael Ennigan said to me. Uh, said to Howard to me, give him a chance. Yeah, give him a year contract. He'll add value to the team. And Howard was going to release Gary." But Peter told him, no, take a chance. Give him a year contract. And, you know, the rest is history. Moving swiftly along from your playing days to, to your coaching career, are we ever in doubt that you wanted to become a coach? Um, I mean, we've spoken in the past about your love for the beautiful game, um, that, you know, you know, from a young age, you wanted to be involved in football. Um, was being a coach always on your mind once you you retired from professional football as a player? Well, again, when I when I came to South Africa, because of Howard Wilkinson, sorry, I've got to change because I've got to charge my iPad. Um, Howard Wilkinson is my mentor. He's he he gave me so much inspiration as a player uh, as he did as a coach. And when I came to South Africa, I was eighteen years old, and I, I've always wanted to coach. I always wanted to do the same as what you know. I, w- I was taught for for the two years I was at Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, can you see me? Am I okay? Yeah, clear? perfect, perfect. Um, and I took my first license in South Africa, which was the English preliminary license, which was run by John Latham, our assistant coach at Arcadia. And at the time. I was 19. I, 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 did, I coached Phil Massinger. I coached Lu, Lucas Radebe. I coached Mark Fish. I coached Paul Matthews, who was the GM at, or the TD at uh, Supersport now, as long as well as other um, young kids. Nicky Shaw, who, who again recently passed away, which another sad thing. Um, I was working, I was coaching at 19 years old, you know, and I've always I've always wanted to, you know, I don't I don't know. I just I just I just love football. From from the age of five, I just wanted to be a professional footballer. You know, and everybody told me that I wasn't good enough. Um if I'm honest, everybody said to me, I'll never be a footballer. Um I'm 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 only a decent player at a level that's probably give me a bit more drive to to, to prove people wrong. And I would I would Wilkinson to this day says I've got this a uh, big spring on my back because every time I've been knocked down, I bounce back up. Mm. You know, and 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 that could be said. You know, from from a stint at um, Leopards, then Barocca, then at Leopards again, and now with TTM. So I don't like anybody criticising me or telling me I'm not good enough um, because I'll, I'll make a point of proving them wrong. But yeah, yeah I mean, I've always wanted a coach and. When I retired in 2002, I took my first, I took my UA for A license um, too early. Um, myself and this uh, Portuguese kid, you might know him, he's called Jose Mourinho, I think his name is. 
Um, we <laughs> were on the that. same course. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you may know him. He's not bad. Um, we not were on the same. Coach. We were on the same course, and um, I failed. I failed my. I failed my A license. I, I took it too early. I took it took it too early. Um, I don't know if Jose passed actually. Um, again, that's another story for you with Jose. Uh, but we 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 became really really good friends then, and we're still good friends now. We I still contact him every every month or every six weeks uh, to talk football. Um, I haven't seen him since 2005, you know, but we're still in contact, and it's. It, 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 oh, I, I, when he came, it was everybody didn't know who we were. Nobody knew who we were until like on day twelve, we sat in a pub in Scotland, and it, there was one of these internet machines. You put a pound in, and then you could use the internet for ten minutes. Mm. And then we see Jose with Bobby Robson in Barcelona. And we're like, we always we all we thought you were just a a, a Portuguese fisherman or a Portuguese <laughs> waiter. You know, he didn't he didn't he didn't come across. As 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 a football coach, and in two thousand and five, I resat my A license. I redid my A license, and I passed. And I actually passed with the worst uh, referee or worst assessor that was ever known in in Scottish football. And I actually passed in two thousand and five, and that's where it really kicked off from um, when I did when I did my. Uh, sorry, sorry, it wasn't 2000. I tell a lie. Sorry, it wasn't 2005. 2002, the year after, I did the reset. Sorry, 2005 is when I started working with the Scottish FA. Um, coaching, as is the nature of the game these days, it's taking you all over the show. Um, you spend some time in in Vietnam. Uh, Vietnam, my sister actually stays there. I think I've told you this before. What is what is yeah. that like? What is coaching like in Vietnam? And you know, what's football? What's the standard of football like in Vietnam? Well, we're talking like 20, 2011 when I went over and I was there for three seasons. Um, it's it's fanatical. It's it's like it's like South Africa back in the day where people go and watch football. They support football. You know, you you, you it, again. It depends which teams. If the, if the best teams are playing, the the stadia are full. Um, the, the, the 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 there are different there are different breed of football fan in in uh, Vietnam. They all drink, they all eat, they all celebrate whether you win or lose. There's never any animosity between football fans. They'll drink together, they'll uh, eat together, they'll celebrate together, they'll cry together. Um, and I actually went over as an academy technical director um, for a team called Katako Kanwa, which was on the west coast, no, sorry, the east coast of, of Vietnam, southeast coast called Na Trang. And within a week, the coach watched what I was doing with the academy and he promoted me to uh, assistant coach. And it was really, really weird because it was my first professional. Uh, sorry, it was my first job as an assistant coach outside of Africa because I was with Sammy Troughton and Pumalanga Black Aces mm. for a year. Then I went to Tanda Royal Zulu with Sammy, Nati Lions with Sammy, and then... Um, when Sammy left, I, I went with him. I, I you know, I'm, I wouldn't take his job, you know, whether I was offered it or not. I was his assistant. Um, and when I got offered this job in Vietnam as, as academy director, um, I just thought brilliant. But when when I got promoted to assistant coach, the Vietnamese coaches um, again, it did culture, the, the philosophy, the way that they work with players similar to South African coaches. It was very regimental. It was very strict. There was loads of discipline. Uh, players that, that if they were told not to breathe, they couldn't breathe. If they were told to run, they had to run. If they were told to roll over and die, they would roll over and die. And, you know, I, I tried to bring a different perspective to that, not going against the head coach, but uh, bringing a bit of fun in, in, into training and after that my, my first year Katiko Kanwa got bought by a team in northern Vietnam called Haiphong and we all like like in South Africa the, yeah. the, the the franchise was sold and 
we moved to iPhone and the second season was a repeat of the first season. And I found it very, very hard to 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 work in, in, in the manner that I was not brought up in. And I left I left the club uh in twenty thirteen and I was going to accept a position in Dubai with this academy. And I got a phone call from iPhone and they they requested if I'd come back and and take over from my previous coach. Again, reluctantly, um, I didn't I didn't think it was the right thing to do. But um I love Vietnam, I love the culture, I love the food, I love the the the, the life, I love the the women were amazing. Oh my god, the most beautiful women, the the most beautiful women. Uh, you will ever ever wish to meet. So polite, so nice, but um, it was it, it was just such a nice place to be in. And I took the job as head coach. And in my first year, we did very very well in the league. We 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 we, we retained the status in the V League, but we got to the equivalent of the Ned Bank Cup in South Africa or the FA Cup in England. And the reason, you know, everybody. Uh, nobody expected us to get there was the final was played at our stadium they chose they chose our stadium to host the final because they didn't think we'd get to the final Jeez. and we actually beat the league champions 2-0 against everybody's expectations and we not only beat them we absolutely hammered them and it wasn't because they'd won the league and they didn't need to win the club uh, the cup we just absolutely you know obliterated them in front of our home fans which was probably about 40,000 was there and um, you know we 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 made history because it was the first time they won that trophy and then uh, at the end of the season the chairman decided that they were going to not fulfil the promises that they'd made to me and I'd got offered a job in Kenya with Gore Mahia and I, I actually turned them down I actually turned them down I said no I don't, I don't it wasn't the right move for me uh, my old Kilmarnock manager Bobby Williamson had left to go to Ramby Stars, and give, he, he gave me first uh, first dibs on the job, and I, t- I turned him down and went went back to England and ended up working with Burton Albion's academy with Jimmy Floyd Asselbank um, for for a year, which again, which was again, it, it was just nice to be asked when I when I went back. But you did end up in Tanzania before going to Kenya. Um, in, a, in a week that Simba beat Al-Akhli 1-0 was the second time they've beaten them in three years now uh, what was that experience like and you know what are the Tanzanians like they seem to be football mad there um, well I'd, I'd actually turned I'd just turned down a job in the Maldives like, so can, can you imagine being in the Maldives and doing football it's yeah. just it's, sounds incredible it's paradise <laughs> Um, but I actually turned it down. Uh, there was only eight teams in the league. They all played on the same island. They all played in the same stadium. They all trained in the same stadium. It just didn't. It just didn't make sense to me. Um, and then they told me that you weren't allowed to on the main island of Maldives. You weren't allowed to drink alcohol. Mm. It, uh, it was a Muslim State. community, and yeah. and you know I, I like to watch football with with a beer. And I like to watch TV, watch football on TV. And, well, Zanzibar and like doesn't react. sound too bad. No, Zan- no, no that, <laughs> that's a different story. But they said to me, you were off on Friday, you could go for a two-hour two speedboat drive to one of the main resorts and you could have a drink there. So it, it just didn't seem right. And then I got offered this job with uh, my agent, it's called Paul Mitchell. And he, he asked me if I'd be interested in Simba. And it was a no-brainer. I didn't know Tanzania, didn't know Simba. Wow, wow. My first game was Simba Day between a team from Uganda, SC Villa, I think it was called. It was full stadium. And we actually played a warm-up game. All the, uh, all the board members and media um, and photographers there and, and press, we played a, a game and we won 1-0 and I scored the winning goal. So imagine, you know, you've got 80,000 people in the stadium and you score the winner in the pre-match game to, to, to the one that, the, the, that Simba were playing. 
We won the game 1-0 against SC Villa and everything was fine. But the board members were just, they were, they were too much. They, were, they, they wanted to tell you who to play, who not to play. They wanted to offer incentives to certain individuals. They wanted to give players money if they played. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that. And eight, we, we went to Zanzibar to play this soccer tournament. It's called the Mapadusi Trophy. Um, and all the top teams in, in Tanzania, Pemba, there's a team from Pemba, um, the teams in Tanzania, they, they, they played, I think it was eight teams. And it was five games in six days. And at the time, we were three points behind Yanga. And I didn't think... I didn't, and you know, I didn't. I couldn't see why I would play my first team when we had a when we had a squad of thirty players. So I gave all my reserves and uh, young players the, the tournament. We got to the semi final. We lost the semi final to Simba Board of Directors. That was the biggest trophy they could have won, and they they decided that you know it would be better if we mutually agreed. To, to part ways, uh, which we did. You did end up going to but, Kenya, yeah. But, I, but there's ahead. a great. That, that, there's a, can I tell you the story afterwards? Right. Sorry if this is taking so long. Um, they owed me fifteen thousand US in unpaid salaries, and the day I left, the day I went to get my salaries, it was it was in Dar es Salaam, and. Obviously, they, they they gave me they, they paid the, the the salaries because it was uh, mutually agreed, and I've got fifteen thousand US in a bag, and my driver who was like two foot three, he was a midget, bless him, said to me, "Coach, you walk out of this building now, because somebody's going to either stab you, shoot you, and and rob you. So give me a bag, and I'll meet you around the corner at the Holiday Inn Hotel," and I'm like. Yeah, I trust my driver. Um, as I walked out the door, there was about 10, 12, 15 people on bikes waiting outside the office doors. And as soon as they saw me come out without anything on me, they, they all drove away. You know, so my driver actually saved me 15,000 US dollars, and, and which I gave him a thousand dollars and said, Thank you. That's an incredible story. You. Um, you did end up going to Gomayada um, after having, you know, come, came close to joining them a, f- a few yeah. years prior. Uh, how was that time in Kenya? And, uh, you know, did you enjoy that, you know, as much as, the, obviously more than Tanzania, considering they, they wanted to take your money there. Um, how was that experience in Kenya? Well, again, I, I left Tanzania. I went back to Chesterfield Academy. And I spent a year at Chesterfield Academy. and. Uh, when I when I actually got offered the job in, in Kenya again, um, I went to see the academy manager and I said, "Look, I've got to leave." And he went, "No, you're not. You, we we want you here." And I went, "No, well, I don't want to do academy. I want to go and and, and work in Kenya." Um, and he eventually gave me his blessing. And when I arrived, we it was the the, the straight away the chairman says you got to win the league, and we won the league. We won the league very very easily. But it was very, very tough, you know, for the facilities, transport, money issues. It was very, very hard in Kenya. But I got I got a great team spirit and I got players that wanted to win and wanted to play, whatever happened. And we won the first year. The second year was even worse. Second season was even worse because uh, the, 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 the Confederations, the Champions League, then the Confederations Cup, there were so many issues that was, you know, out of my control. Travel, hotels, flights, uh, everything, everything you could imagine, you know, I had to deal with. Is I could write, I could write three books on 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 football, of of how how to do Africa and what not to do in Africa. <laughs> um, and we again, we won the league and. Not only did we win the league, we won the league against our fiercest rivals, which was AFC Leopards. And not only that, we beat them with the third team, my third choice team. So uh, we had a sponsor called Sport Pacer, 
who I think still sponsor Cape Town City, they would pump money into the club. Unbelievable. And at the end of, just before I left, uh, we we played in a tournament against Simba uh, in Kenya and whoever won the games in this mini tournament, uh, the, 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 the winning prize was a trip to England to play Everton at Goodison Park. Yeah. And again, again, you know, we, we, we played, my first game for Sim, uh, for Gormaya was against Everton in Tanzania in front of 90,000 people in that stadium. And Wayne Rooney had just left Man United to go to Everton. We lost the game 2-1. Wayne Rooney scored. But it was a, uh, you know, it was a, it was a, it was just true for Tanzanian player uh, for for Gormaier in Kenya, and then when we returned to Ke- to, to Everton to play at Goodison Park, uh, and I'll be forever thankful and grateful for Sport Pacer for for letting that happen. We lost four nil, but if you can imagine the squad that Everton played were worth over 150 million, and our our squad was probably worth a million. You know, so uh, it, it it was night and day. But the thing is, we went over with twenty seven players, and I made sure that all them players played at Goodison Park. Yeah, whether it was ten yeah. an hour, you know, it was just it, it was just a fantastic, fantastic eighteen months. Um, and when I left, I, 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 I again, I was I wasn't under contract, but I phoned uh, Ambrose Rachia, the chairman, and I asked him for his blessing to come to that letters. That's, yeah. I mean, I remember that game at Goodison Park. I think I actually watched it. And I think, you know, you did the right thing by letting, you can't let all the players go to Goodison Park and and not have a, a taste of, you know, what a Premier League field is like and what, you know, Premier League environment is like. Yeah, I mean, look, when 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 when, when Everton came to, when Everton came to, to Tanzania and we played them at uh, the National Stadium, uh, there was one person that I didn't put on and I felt so bad that I didn't put him on the pitch against Everton Football Club. You know, imagine imagine if you're in that same scenario. You're in the you're in the squad, everybody gets a game, but you're set on the bench. You don't get on. Against Everton, one of the top Premier League clubs, one of the most historical Premier League clubs in England, you don't get on. And I felt really, really bad. So when we went to Goodison Park, you know, it didn't. The result didn't bother me, and it and it and it, it upset a lot of people in Kenya, uh, even the sponsors, because we got beat four 0 But <laughs> these players will never come to England again. They'll never ever get the opportunity to play uh, a football game in England again, especially against Everton at Goodison Park. Yeah, I said that it didn't. The result didn't matter to me. It was all about giving these players the opportunity. And it was just fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Uh, but we couldn't have done it without Sport Pacers' um, financial backing. Yeah, it's an insane experience. Uh, Dylan, before we go, um, there's two things I just want to quickly touch on. Um, I think you know your time in South Africa of, of late is well covered. But um, I'd like to touch on, on the final day against Kaiser Chiefs. Obviously, we were in the bubble together. I was a bit for Yeah, we were. <laughs> and you have Barack AFC. Um, if you can just take us back to that final day and, and drawing with Kaiser Chiefs. And then I also want to just quickly touch on your, your tattoos and just how that started and, and how many you've got at this point in time. But let's quickly just ch- chat about the final game against Kaiser Chiefs. And, and yeah, I know for you, it was a tough time in the bubble. Um, you know, for Barocca, it was a tough time. You know, fighting relegation is is not for sissies, like they'll say in South Africa. Um but what was it like, you know, just a relief of of keeping the team up, especially in the way you guys did it, you know, denying Chiefs a, you know, a league title in the process? Well, I mean, if you if you go back to you know Vitz, right? You you were with us in the, in the bubble. Vitz could have won that league, but Vitz were being sold. You know, they, 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 there was no interest in, in 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 football for for the players, for the staff uh, at Vitz and. I was I was part of Gavin Hunt's entourage um, because it gave me a break from you know the the pressures of what I was under at Barocca. Uh, remember when when you when you're working with with a club that's run by a chairman that thinks 
he knows how the football club should be run without you as a coach. Um, it, it's very, very difficult. So the pressure's the pressure's not only on to prove them wrong, but it's also to to prove yourself right in what in what you do. Um, we'd beat Mamelodi Sundowns. We'd got Super Sport the following week, uh, following three days, and then we got Kaiser Chiefs. Now beating Sundowns count, counted for nothing because we got beat by Super Sport four one. Um, and then we're coming to the final game against Kaiser Chiefs. The pressure on Ernst Middendorp was immense. Was immense. You know, because Chelsea Chiefs had not won a trophy for a long, long time. They'd been top of the league. Sundowns had pegged them back. We were playing against Chiefs. Sundowns were playing against Black Leopards. Both Limpopo teams were, were, were desperate to stay in the league. Uh, the pressure was on all of us. And we conceded in the first half. And at half time, I kicked everybody out of the dressing room apart from myself and the team. And I actually, I ripped into every single player. I absolutely lambasted the lot of them. Uh, Kambala, who scored the equalising goal, I told him to go back to Mozambique, go and buy himself a little fishing boat and go and catch prawns. Because that's that's all he's good, good for. Uh, Piri Jr., who took the free kick, uh, a Malawian international, I told Piri, I said, listen, you know, you may as well pack in football because you're not, you're not, you're not a good player. You, do, you don't provide anything, you don't produce anything, but you think you're, you're, you're the best. So you're doing nothing for me. Farmer, the centre back, who came off with his shoulder injury. You know, he, he, I went through everyone, every one of them, and I told them in no uncertain terms what I thought of them. You know, and Perry put the cross in. Kambala scored the equaliser. We could have won the game. We could, we could have won the game. And the worst thing were, which I was surprised, is that with 15 minutes to go, Kaiser Chiefs didn't want to win it. Do you get me on that? Yeah. It was like, if, I, if I'd have been Kaiser Chiefs, I'd have played Cooney at the back and put 10 players in, that penalty, in, the, in the opposite penalty box and just kicked it. And if we'd have lost 5-1, we'd have lost 5-1. But I would have gone for it. I would have yeah. gone for it because it was, it was a title. Yeah. And they didn't. They didn't. And it was like credit to the team, credit to the players because they 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 they, they managed the game the way that they, they they were told at half time too. But we didn't we didn't come under any pressure. We didn't, we, we we weren't put under. You know, uh, they they never give me a headache to to say, well, ooh, we, we we're going to lose this two one. And when the final whistle went, you know, you could see that. The the, the, the the tears of both teams, tears of joy from us, the, the the agony of Kaiser Chiefs, and you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I I know Ernst very very well, and I've got uh, utmost respect for Ernst, and we speak very very uh, often about the game um, from a German and a, an English point of view, and 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 what we've learned and what we've done in South Africa, and Ernst has done a hell of a lot more than I have. Um, but to see him, you know, leave Kaiser Chiefs, you know, at the last minute where we we picked them, you know, it's, it's, it's very very tough. But we went in that, in that second half, you know, I, I I swore a lot, I swear a lot, and I f I f it and I c u n t it. You know, they they got it, they got both barrels because they were playing for their lives, they were playing for their careers, and they responded. Um, the tattoos, tattoos. Wow, nineteen ninety-seven. We win the Scottish Cup with with uh, Kilmarnock versus Falkirk. Um, I'd been told I'd never play football again because I had a serious hamstring injury. Ninety-five, ninety-seven. I won the Scottish Cup final. After the Scottish Cup final, I was uh, over in Dublin for my best friend's stag night, stag weekend. Um, I spent three days in Dublin. I came home to Kilmarnock. Me and my good friend Gary Holt, who's Kilmarnock daft, uh, um, he decided that he was going to get a Kilmarnock tattoo on his leg. I'm like, never wanted a tattoo in my life. I passed out because I was absolutely paralytic from four days of drinking. Uh, and I woke up with a Kilmarnock tattoo on my leg, which, thank God, it did the right thing because he could have put anything on there yeah. uh, in any... 
any frozen my body. He could have put anything on there. Um, and then when I won the cup, when I won my first trophy as a head coach in Gormahia, uh, I decided to have uh, the Gormahia tattoos. And then because I was so happy with that, the same guy did the high form. Then he did, no, he did Reading. Then he did Leeds. Then he did high form. Then he did Hamilton Academicals. And when I came to South Africa, the mandate was to keep in the PSL. Staying in the PSL was better than winning the league because it was, you know, it was a, a, an achievement to keep them in the PSL. When I, I actually went, before I left Black Leopards, I went to get it done, but the, the tattooist was sick and he said he couldn't do it. And then when I came back in 2019 and kept Barocca in uh, the, the PSL, I decided to do the Barocca one. And, uh, uh, and the week after, I did the Black Leopards one. And I've, I've still got two to do. I've still got uh, Arcadia Shepherds from 1986, and I've got one from Arizona, a team called West Valley Alliance. Mm. Um, I had the under-18s team and did not win a trophy in six years. And the first month I was there, we won the San Diego Labor Day uh, Charity Shield trophy. Uh, and I've just recently found the, the club crest. So I'm going to do the Arcadia Shepherds one and the West Valley one in probably the next week or two. Whenever the tattooist is free. That's great. I'm looking forward to pictures of those. And well, Dylan, thanks for your time of the last hour or so. It's been great chatting to you and, and catching up and chatting about football and your journey in the game. It's just, it's quite incredible, actually. And, and long may it continue. Good luck at Chakuma and all the best for the rest of the season. Amy, I, honestly, you know, uh, I, I wish we could have done it this afternoon, but uh, in, in South Africa, football is very, very difficult. Again, when things are, are not done right, but we, the new chairman, the new owner, I'm there as an advisor. I haven't agreed uh, anything with the chairman. We've spoken about it, but I think he's got more pressing issues with players uh, to worry about than he has with me. But, you know, I thank you for, you know, I said I could stay here for another three, four, five hours and talk about football. We've not even, eat, we've not even peaked at other stories that, that we could probably do, but, you know, it's, it's, Imagine you're being told at 12 years old you're not good enough to play for uh, the team that all my friends were playing for. Mm. I was never going to be a footballer. I was never being, I'll never be a professional. You know, I'll just keep proving people wrong. And people have to, if, if anybody says you're not good enough, don't believe them. Anybody who doesn't believe in you, don't believe in them. Believe in yourself and you never know what might happen. Words to live by. Thank you for listening to Disky Discussions. If you have any questions or guests you'd like me to have on the show, please hit me up at AB underscore Basson on Twitter or Instagram. Stay safe, like, subscribe, aware.